the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right. Thank you, John. Getting us on the air tonight. Great to be with you, folks. This is Soapy Dollar. Stacy is here with me tonight in the studio. John will be taking your phone calls and hey, screening Sophie. for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is me last week. <laughs> well, what's the idea of this? So, did someone. Did something happen? Something. Somebody got <laughs> married. so sweet. Yeah. This, this is the song I was playing last Saturday morning. Which is why I was not here Sunday evening, so I'm so sorry, everyone, but I went to the chapel, got married. (laughs) Congratulations to my lovely daughter and her husband, T.W. Troy. Troy, and we're so thrilled, and I'm... Didn't lose a daughter. I gained a son. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly you can't right. Can't say Stacy Dollar anymore. So <laughs> Stacy's got that ring on that yeah. finger now, yeah. and, and thank you, John. That's sweet. All is all is well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, folks. This is the Bible Live, and we are in the midst of a, a book or a couple of books. We call them two books in our nowadays: First and Second Chronicles, uh, and. A lot of people don't like the books of the Chronicles. I mean, they find them boring or uh, they don't understand the point of them. And uh, Especially if you're reading through and you've just read Kings and Samuel and uh, all of... And- yeah. For they're, 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 these are the books of history, First and Second Kings and First, first and Second Samuel and then First and Second Kings. Uh, they pick up after the time of the judges... Uh, ruling over Israel, or the, ruling over the, these 12 men, uh, 11 men, one woman that are raised up to deliver Israel from their oppressors during a, uh, about a 350-year period. And then uh, Samuel is the uh, this young boy who comes uh, uh, under the tutelage of Eli, uh, uh, the chief priest, and Samuel becomes the uh, the link or the bridge between the time of the judges to the time of kings, the monarchy. He actually anoints Saul to be the first king of, from the tribe of Benjamin, the first king of Israel. 
in uh, 1050, 1,050 years before before Christ, and then uh, Saul reigns for 40 years. Then David, Saul's reign is rejected because of his lack of faith and his lack of vision, his understanding of what God was trying to do in and through and with uh, uh, the people of Israel, this people group that God uh, had begun to use under Abraham. And it just didn't have a vision for it, didn't get it. And so his, his reign is rejected, and young uh, shepherd boy is chosen to be the next king, and Samuel anoints him as well, the eighth, eighth son uh, of, in a family of uh, shepherds from Bethlehem. And he is King David. So David reigns then from 1010 B.C. to 970 B.C., another 40 years. Then after David's reign, which David's reign, David becomes, uh, to a great extent, the the ideal that, that it shows. Not that he's without fault. I mean, he did some terrible things and made some very bad mistakes, but his heart uh, was bent toward the Lord. He understood who God was and what God wanted to do in and through and with the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, and he tried to keep that uh, alive, the vision and the understanding of the one true God. And the faith, maybe the faithfulness. Yeah. As as much as he might have made mistakes, uh, his heart was always desiring at least was faithful to yeah and he had a humility he was mm-hmm. willing to repent of his sins when 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 god corrected him and when the prophets shook their bony finger in his face and said you're the one that made the mistake mm-hmm. and you're the one that's been in sin he didn't cut their heads off he he repented he, mm-hmm. he uh wept and and repented of his sins and tried to make right and uh his heart was bent toward God, a repentant, broken heart toward the Lord. And that broken spirit is fundamental to all the people of God. That's one of the great, uh, one of the three or four great characteristics of people who are truly, uh, who truly love God. There's there's a brokenness, there's a humility, uh, a willingness to repent and uh, to acknowledge uh, failures. Uh, there There's also a uh, the what am I trying to think of? There's no pride, no hubris. There, there was a uh, you know the arrogant are rejected by God, but He lifts up the poor, the humble, the broken. And there's a gratitude, a spirit of gratitude, and you'll see that in the Book of Chronicles when God tells uh, in chapter 17 when God tells David, "I'm going to make uh, your, I'm going to bless your." Uh, your kingship, I'm going to bless your lineage. Others will come behind you. I'm going to establish your throne forever, he says, uh, because it, out of his lineage of King David would come the Messiah. This, The Messiah that was predicted by Moses, Abraham, others, this Redeemer, Savior that God has been promising for centuries, he's going to come through the lineage of King David. And so we see all of that in uh, the books of Samuel, then we turn to uh, the books of the kings, follow then, uh, as I said, Saul, then David, and then Solomon, David's son, comes on the scene, and he reigns from 970 to 930 B.C., another 40-year period. Uh, 
Saul, then David, then Solomon. And then in 930, as we're following this history, and, and, and these are the stories from First and Second uh, uh, Samuel and First and Second Kings. Now, what happens when we get to Chronicles is that Ezra, this is after, this is a later history that was written by Ezra, who was one, a, a scribe, who was one of the leaders who helped bring the people of Israel back from Babylon after their 70 years of exile. Uh, Cyrus the Great released them to about four to 6,000 of them to come back to Israel. And Ezra is among the leaders of them. Nehemiah is another. And Ezra uh, writes this selected history called First and Second Chronicles, and he focuses only on the kings of Judah. He doesn't throw in all the, the uh, 22 kings of Israel in the northern tribes. Uh, remember, after Solomon's reign from 970 to 930, the kingdom divides. His son Rehoboam uh, is supposed to be the king over all the people of Israel, but uh, he has a, a terrible failure of logic and vision, and he promises to make the people suffer more through more taxation. And so the northern ten tribes break away under a man named Jeroboam, who had really served in uh, under Solomon in part of his part of his staff. So Jeroboam comes back from exile and becomes the king of the northern tribes, and uh, that's how we get. Israel in the north and what we call Judah now, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin uh, in the south, uh, under the uh, following the lineage of King David. And so that that's where we've been. That's where we're coming down to. We want you to, I want as best I can for you to understand this and know and understand the flow of the scriptures. I know that many of you do. Many of you love the scriptures. You study the scriptures. You know the scriptures. But I'm trusting too, and I believe that we have from week to week, there, there are hundreds, thousands even perhaps who are listening, who are just trying to, okay, what is this book, the Bible, all about? And so we're trying to give you a chance uh, not only to hear the entire Bible. If you go to thebiblelive.com, you can hear the Bible, and we, I'll read the Bible. I'll literally read the Bible to you all the way through each and every week. Go to thebiblelive.com, and uh, all you, right there on the, on the first page, on the opening screen, you can just scroll down a bit, and you'll see this week's Bible readings. And we, we're making our way through the books of First and Second Chronicles. And uh, you can listen to a 15 to 20-minute 20, 20 readings from the Scripture every single day, Monday through Friday, every weekday. And if you follow along with us and listen every day, every weekday to one of these readings, you'll hear the entire Bible uh, over the course of a year. You'll be right back again where you started, and you will have made your way through the whole Bible. So that's our real hope and, and prayer, our vision, our dream, uh, that we want to give you a chance to experience the Bible, to hear the Bible itself, not just a bunch of sermons about the Bible. With, there's nothing wrong. I'm, I'm not, I'm not anti church or anti-pastoral pastors need to teach and teach the scriptures but we wanted there to be someplace where you could actually hear the scriptures and actually study the bible itself this the bible from uh, one point just all the way through the bible every year so we've been doing that for 20 years giving uh, san antonio and south texas here the chance 
to hear the Bible itself. You go now. We're not on the radio with the Bible readings anymore. We're on the web on the internet. You go to thebiblelive dot com, and as you click on that, you'll see the readings right there. And there's other helpful resources and articles and so on that can encourage you in your understanding of the scriptures. But what we do on Sunday night now, Stacy and I, is we talk through we talk about the readings from this past week, uh, and. And for example, this past week we read from First Chronicles chapter twenty-five. We went right on into Second Chronicles up through chapter eighteen. So we're covered essentially now the end of the reign of King David and the beginning of the reign of King Solomon. And just real quick, Go so ahead, this, uh, and and then Chronicles, like you said, what what is the timeline? How many years between? This sort of overview, this summary, this recap by, we're not sure which author, but possibly Ezra or, uh, is that with right? The, with the Chronicles, mm-hmm. it's definitely Ezra. Definitely Ezra. So Ezra wrote this how many years after uh, Kings and, and Samuel would have been written? It was written around somewhere four. in the second half of the 5th century BC, which would mean uh, 450 to 400 mm-hmm. Um BC and then uh, and that's of course uh, you have there are the the last prophets in the Old Testament are are let me see the Malachi Zechariah Zechariah so Ezra would not have been the writing last this three prophets Zech- firsthand Haggai, with Haggai, first- Zechariah Malachi Haggai Zechariah Malachi are the last the last three prophets of the Hebrew Scriptures, those are called the the um, post-exilic prophets. They write and have their ministry after the return of mm-hmm. the right. exiles. Right. And so Ezra is a contemporary of, the, of uh-huh. theirs. Yeah. Malachi finished his book in 400, uh, around 400 B.C. And then you have what, is, what are called 400 years of, of silence. The, he's the last of the prophets in about 400 BC, and then comes uh, opening up with the New Testament. We open with uh, the New Testament prophet, still in the old style, the Old Testament prophet style. Mm-hmm. We come to uh, John the Baptizer. Mm-hmm. John the Baptizer is raised up during the Roman occupation, the Roman rule over Israel, and he is raised up to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. To make make straight the way, he is like a herald coming before the king to tell everyone to get ready. The king, the Messiah, this long-awaited Messiah, Redeemer, Savior, mm-hmm. this anointed one, is coming. And and John the Baptist, the last of the Old Testament style prophets, he is raised up to prepare the people to receive the Christ, and <clears throat> whom we know now and and. Uh, looking back, we understand now that that was Jesus of Nazareth, mm-hmm. uh, son of Joseph and Mary, who both of their family lines were in the lineage of King David. And that's important because part of what we've read about in the book of the Chronicles, uh, and of course in the Kings as well, is that God promises in chapter 17 of First Chronicles, God gives a covenant promise to David 
it says that you are you are I'm going to establish your uh throne your dynasty forever to reign over my people and that is uh, that is for that it, that particular prophecy is fulfilled in the person of the Messiah, the so Savior. How, right. How would Ezra have known of that Davidic covenant, though? Because of First and Second Kings. Right. So <laughs> in that inter- so Ezra is writing this af- probably eight hundred years after it actually happened, and so that that is what I think is so fascinating about about it, and is that he's writing. It's not. It is a history, but. But more than that, because the history is really it's already been, years. is it? So let's see, Samuel David would have been in uh, ten, uh, David reigned in 970. Okay. And so this happens about, about, it's about 400, five, 400 uh-huh. 500 years mm-hmm. or so. Uh, but definitely yeah. some time has passed. <laughs> more than a single lifetime. <laughs> like Ezra did not know David, in uh-huh. other words. Right. Ezra yeah. was David and Solomon. This was long past in terms of when it actually happened. And yet, um, and yet still so alive when you read Chronicles, you wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't know that you would, you would think David's is alive and the history is alive as, and well as ever. And that was Ezra's point in writing it exactly. was to bring the scriptures to bring these back to life. Remember, remember, remember. Because these people the hopes, have been born over in Babylon. They, right? they didn't have right. the temple. They didn't have right. the, all of this, uh, history mm-hmm. and so on readily available to them and surrounding them there in Jerusalem. They had been born in exile over in Babylon, and they needed to be reminded of who they were, who they are right. as a people. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason, for, that's why the opening nine chapters of the Chronicles are genealogies. Right. Part of the reason, at least, is yeah. that he's tracing, letting them see, here is your heritage, your legacy. And, of course, also... Remember, they're going back to their property. They're going back to Jerusalem. Their families owned right. yeah. land and and homes, and there and they were going back to reclaim those. And in order to do that, they would ha- to have to establish their bona fides. They would mm-hmm. have to say, "I am the son of some of this one and that one and that one, and this is my family mm-hmm. uh, property." And, mm-hmm. and so on. So there was a number of reasons for that to happen. But uh, the, the book of the Chronicles aren't just boring books about has nothing to do with nothing. It really is great about reminding us of what you and I have been kind of emphasizing over these months now, Stacy. for folks. If you want to know what the Bible is all about, the whole Bible, you know. Now, remember, you've got 66 different books written over a period of about 1,500 years, different times of war, times of peace, times of plenty, times of scarcity, droughts, floods, war, every kind of thing you could every kind of life situation. and But there's this harmony in many ways. There's a harmony in terms of, uh, of uh, God, who God is, what God is like. Uh, it doesn't change. There's a consistency. There's a consistency about, uh, about God's laws and how God wants us to live. Uh, throughout the scriptures. So there's just this, and there's this consistency of message that God is delivering not only to Israel, but through Israel to all the nations, all the peoples of the world. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the redemptive plan that God is calling out of the human race a people for himself. 
He wants to know us. He loves the world, and he calls men and women to to be part of his people. I will be their God. They will be my people. So that's the whole story of the Bible, and now... The Chronicles kind of is a recap of that, yes. starting with David. And I love how it, somebody put it, it it's reca- the past, it's recapping the past source of hope for the anticipation of a future hope. In other words, here in this moment, after, I mean, they've had quite a history already. Mm-hmm. And Ezra is pausing to say, look at what has happened and all that we have come through. It is unfolding. Even now, as we live and breathe, what God promised, that covenant, it's happening now. Yeah, and, <laughs> and part of that, that is the very, the very mm-hmm. fact that they were there right, exactly. was, a, yes. was a prophecy that you're, right. and who you were taking them to exile. Uh-huh. Yeah. Countries did not come back from exile. Right. That's the reason that these emperors uh, took them out. Mm-hmm. Is that they they were going to destroy them, mm-hmm. and, and like for example, when Assyria conquered Israel the in the north, right? They, they disappeared. Gone. <laughs> they're gone. The yeah. ten lost tribes never yeah. never reconstituted, mm-hmm. and that was what these emperors did to to so that they couldn't rise up again. Right. But for some reason beyond comprehension, except for the prophecies of God mm-hmm. and, and the promise, and the, the covenant, the promise. That Cyrus allowed them to go back. Right. And so Ezra is saying, look, he has done this, which means he is faithful. We need to remain faithful. And that means he, the, that Messiah is, is, is coming. Yes. He will come. He will come. <laughs> yes. He and here he is. He's a contemporary, Ezra is, of Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi, mm-hmm. these last post, these post exilic prophets. And then. And the, then, <laughs> then the microphone is turned off. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the, we don't hear anything right. for this 400 years. Uh, Alexander the Great raises up the uh, the the Greek em, uh, Empire rises and falls, just mm-hmm. as Daniel said it would. Mm-hmm. Remember, Daniel talked about uh, Alexander the Great, the Greek Empire, and then it being broken up. And then he talked about the rise of another empire. After it, called Rome, mm-hmm. uh, and well, the, now we know, right? The, called Rome, <laughs> and Rome rises up during that four hundred year period, and takes over, conquers the known civilized world of that time, mm-hmm. and that's after four hundred years. Then, God breaks His silence. The time has come for the Messiah mm-hmm. now to come, and, and there's a reason for God's timing. We don't pretend to know everything about it, and every specific reason but god's timing is perfect he sent the messiah just at the right moment to in some ways it it, to to bust out of the restraints of israel uh, and to take this message of the redeemer the savior to the whole world Mm -hmm. uh and and it had been it was never held captive just in israel but it never exploded out of Israel and never became, remember all of David's prayers, let all the world, all the nations of the world, mm-hmm. let all the people of the world praise the Lord. You know, their vision, their their passion was that the true living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be worshipped by all peoples everywhere, worshipped every nation, every tribe. Worshipped and worshipped. Uh-huh. And, and that was, that was uh, of course, that was David's passion. And you see that in some of the way that David, things that David did. We saw 
the queen of queen uh, of Sheba came to visit uh, uh, Solomon, and Solomon entertained him and also talked to her about. Uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. so that they had some sense of this, and they were, but, but it didn't really explode out of Israel, across the known world, until Messiah came in that first century. And we just finished reading the Book of Acts, so it's really a good time for us to come back from the Book of Acts to Chronicles mm-hmm. and see, in a way, what what preceded. Uh, and, and set that up. So that's where we are. We're in the book of Chronicles, first and second. Uh, we've finished up considering the reign of King David. Uh, in chapter 17 of First Chronicles, we see the covenant promise. Uh, and then we, David then uh, initiates in chapters 20 through 24. David did some things that were organizationally. Uh, he was forbidden. He himself wasn't going to be able to build the temple that he envisioned for God. That was left to his son, according to that that promise or that uh, covenant that God made with him. He would not be able to build the temple because he had he was a man of war, blood on his hands and from war and so on. Mm-hmm. But his son would be able to build it. But David did a lot of the organizational preparation. He raised a lot of money to give to Solomon, his son, so that Solomon could build the temple. And also he organized. He organized the gatekeepers, the musicians, mm-hmm. uh, he, the priesthood mm-hmm. and the shifts. He put them into shifts that they would uh, uh, exercise their ministries in, in the temple. So a lot of that was organized, and we see that in chapters 17 through about 24. The musicians, the priests, the Kohathites, those that took the gatekeepers and so on. So that brings us up to about chapter 28, and we'll pick up there and go on to, into Second Chronicles this evening as well. Our phone number is 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. Give us a call if you have a question or a comment about the scriptures, and uh, we'll put out a few questions for you as well in just a bit. Don't go away. The Bible Live will be right back. John wants everybody to remember that you are married now. (laughs) Stacy said, I do. I was there. I saw it. John, you have a gift with music. And so does Troy. They said I do. She tied the knot this Which, last you know, weekend. What, what, makes, so... what makes me think, I mean, not to completely make it a, about Chronicles, but I know it is, it's a sweet, it is ultimately about a covenant and marriage really does. I mean, that's, that is that image, that picture, that promise that holds it together that I do. And it, what makes, you know, first and second Samuel and first and second Kings is kind of like, that was the wedding, right? And then Ezra, when he writes Chronicles, he's writing like, this is the 400th anniversary. <laughs> so Ezra's 400th anniversary. Of, of and that, he's showing the video of the Exactly, wedding. making it all very nice in this point. But that, you know, it is kind of tracking. That. But that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's about a covenant, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, it's about God covenanting with the human with adam and eve and then with with abraham and then with moses and then now with david constantly mm-hmm. reminding them of the, the his purpose his redemptive plan is to call out a people for himself and that he's going 
to use them in this process. And that's mm-hmm. just, it, it is a covenant. And every promise all along the way, every every one of them is kept from one to the next, to the next, to the next. He is thankful, uh, it, right? it is beautiful, in fact. Thank you, uh, John, for that reminder. And, of course, uh, the reminder, stay <laughs> Thank <sealed>. you. <laughs> that's what all of our marriages are all about. They're, yeah. they're about a covenant based on his faithfulness to us, right? That's and what they're not marriage always, is about. And, you know, it's got its ups and its downs. It's got its mm-hmm. heartbreaks. It's got all of the But at the end, at the end of the day, that's what our hope is is set in his faithfulness it's not about our faithfulness that reminds me of nathan's right when david wants to build a temple and nathan says the temple though is is not a a temple of of it's a people it's it's you want to build a temple for god god's going to build a temple in you (laughs) that's right exactly right well then let's get down to that we see here that in chapter 17 david has this vision, this understanding. He wants to build a temple for God, and mm-hmm. and the and the prophet says to him, "Do what's in your heart to do." You know, mm-hmm. God says, "What's in your heart? What would you like to do?" Uh, and he tells him about, "I would like to build a, a temple for God, a place to worship God." Uh, he says, "I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the Ark of the Lord's Covenant is out there under a tent." And Nathan says to David, do whatever you have in mind, for God is with you. Mm -hmm. And so that that begins the process. And it ends, David, uh, he, as I mentioned before, he he does a lot of organizing for worship, preparing the people of God, uh, the people of Israel to worship God, uh, putting in place uh, the cycles of of service for for the Levites, organizing them into different uh, times and periods that they would come in and serve. And even to the time of Jesus, if you remember, uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was uh, a Levite. Mm-hmm. And he had. it came time for his, when John the Baptist was going to be born, it was it was Zechariah's time to be on on uh on duty, duty yeah. and he had to be in there. It, but his voice was taken away mm-hmm. uh, until after John was born, mm-hmm. and he said his name is John, and then he got his voice back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so you see that this same pattern of assignments and duties of, of the priest to rotate the musicians and the gatekeepers that sa- had been gone. That started with David. Yeah. When. 400 years later, yeah. they're still following that same. And, you know, I, I, and I think there is something so sweet about um, it. Remind, you know, I did, we didn't have a very big ceremony or a very mm-hmm. big. It was just real small in the family. And, well, in the days of COVID, it's yeah, really it's hard, hard to, to do have anything. We're sort of getting past that. But, yes, it was. And we waited for a long time to get there. But, you know, it, it uh, so that was last Saturday. The next Sunday in church. I thought, you know, this is really what my heart loves to celebrate. Um, it's this Sunday morning and the traditions and the sweet music and the worship and the flow. And it reminds me a little bit Well, I thought, this is, re- the church really is the bride. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the bridegroom. We're, we're the, and every Sunday morning we get to have almost a, a wedding, so, mm-hmm. something very similar, a ceremony that celebrates that union, that relationship that we have the he has come he he is a he has arrived he is here which i guess you know with jesus and um anyway it was in and 
so we we still celebrate that we still I mean not exactly to the T that David established but that instinct that is in us to have ceremony to celebrate covenant and promise and worship and love and the romance is there and you know what else you mentioned it but song in song yeah the the Jewish and Christian faiths Mm. are singing faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, David here, uh, being a musician himself, but using music, musicians and music in worship and psalm, the psalms that Mm -hmm. they sang, Mm -hmm. and so on. That is uh, that that is all. All of that is just the development, the idea of worshiping, Mm -hmm. and the word worship means to admire to admire, to adore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, it's a good thing to ask ourselves, do we truly worship when we go to our church? Are we, or do we just sit there with our hands in our pockets and sort of, you know, kind of the frozen chosen, you know, (laughs) but, but are we able to lift our hands to, to uh, um, elaborately and enthusiastically praise God and forget about ourselves and our, uh, what we look like necessarily, or you know how we're going to come across, but just lose ourselves in the uh, adoring of our God, in the gratitude to our God, worshiping. Which I do think David God. had a real heart for. But I think he was a romantic at heart. Who <laughs> David? Oh, no I doubt about it. And his I, first I love, uh, and maybe that's one of the key markers. Um, you know, is just to remember. Your love, remember that first love, which it is all very wrapped up in wedding and marriage and ceremony. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, yeah. So that's why that's why we waited till now to have the wedding, right? So because you were in Chronicles that's and you right. wanted to, <laughs> to, you wanted to go right along with almost the a whole year. <laughs> well, let's let's go. Let's move on into Second Chronicles. I want to ask a few questions just so, so some of our listeners can help us out as we tell the story. There's some. There's some. There's some details about some stories within the story as we read through Chronicles. Uh, For example, uh, there comes a time when David wants to uh, build a temple, uh, and he wants to move the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem so that it can be more easily brought into the temple. And he has a very... He has a failed experience. He has a bad experience. So somebody loses their life. Uh, and so uh, Uzzah reaches out to touch the, the, the ark to steady it. It's about to fall off of, an, of a cart that was being carried by. He did everything wrong. In the first place, the Ark of the Covenant was not supposed to be carried on an ark. It was on the shoulders of on the an, Levites. On a cart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but then they not to touch it. And Uzzah did that. And so David is shaken, and so they take the ark and they they house it temporarily in the house of a man named Obed Adom, brave uh, man, a brave man. <laughs> he he is a Levite. He's he's uh, he's authorized. Yeah. But um, Obed Adom and uh, God. The Bible tells us that God blesses Obed Adom for his having mm-hmm. uh, hosted the. Ark of the Covenant in his home. And in chapter 27 of 1 Chronicles, we're told how God blessed Obed-Adom. 
and he gave him many sons and many grandsons. So my question to you, if you'd like to call in tonight and answer a question on the program, how many sons and grandsons did Obed-Adom have? This was a, a, a uh, an expression of God's blessing on his household, on his family, for having uh, housed the Ark of the Covenant in their home. How many sons and grandsons did Obed-Edom have? Uh, another question, I, and I think this is, a, is an important question. In King David's reign, who uh, was King David's commander, his military commander? Who was King David's military commander? I will tell you this. It was his um, his nephew. Mm-hmm. He was David's had a sister, and this was his sister's son. Uh, and he became the commander of Israel's armor, uh, army under King David. What was his name? He's a very interesting character. And if you know his name, give us a call. 210-340-9585. 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Um, so, if you know the answer to any of those questions, how many children, how many sons and grandsons did Obed Adom have, and who was the commander of Israel's army under King David? I want to ask one more. Can sure, I ask one go more? ahead. All right, it's a little bit further in, but uh, so this is going to be in Second Chronicles. That's okay, chapter three, verse one. Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem on the mountain where Abraham had almost sacrificed his son Isaac many centuries before. That is such an amazing, there are all kinds of coincidences, quote, unquote, coincidences here. What was the name of the mountain? Okay, Solomon built his temple, the temple in Jerusalem on the mountain where Abraham had almost sacrificed his son Mm -hmm. Isaac many Mm -hmm. centuries before. That's astounding to me. What was the name of that mountain? It's found in chapter 3, Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. Okay. How picturesque. Too. Obed-Edom, how many sons and grandsons? That's chapter 26 of First Chronicles, chapter 26, verse 8. And then who was the commander of Israel's army under King David? That's in First Chronicles chapter 27, verse 34. We'll give you the chapter and verse so you can look at it. it's an open book exam here folks you can <laughs> you can look it up um there's an interesting story about where he built the temple as well uh maybe we could add that in there um david purchased the um property from a man named arauna a, a jebusite they were the original occupants of jerusalem before david uh conquered them, and, and, and they were conquered, and, and Israel took over Jerusalem and uh, the, the Jebusites. And David purchased uh, this piece of property, and it was used later for the temple to be built over it. What was the purpose of that property? It was bought from Arauna the Jebusite. Originally, what was that property used for? where the temple was built. Uh, Remember, it's on a mountain, and the question is, what was the name of the mountain? And then uh, there's an actual, uh, there was an actual property that was used for something Mm -hmm. on that mountain. 
and uh, I'd like you to tell me what was the the what was the property used before used on for before David built the tem- uh, pretty, Solomon built the temple. That's a pretty that's a good question. Like yeah, thank it. you. I like it. Well, you know, really, I wrote that about twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting then too. Yeah. Okay, so we get into uh, the time of David, then we get into the time of Solomon. Uh, Solomon builds this amazingly beautiful temple, uh, and they have this dedication. The dedication ceremony is yes. amazing. Uh, the uh, The people gather. Uh, Solomon kneels right. on his knees. The king himself is yeah. on his knees before God, mm-hmm. before the people, kneeling before God and praying to God. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, we see that ceremony and, and God's glory come. The mm-hmm. Shekinah glory, mm-hmm. God's glory fills the temple there at the dedication. Um, <clears throat> there is a, a famous verse that we'll, we'll ask another question in a bit about that. Uh, from Second Chronicles chapter seven, I, I want to get that question out a little bit later as okay. well. So Solomon, what happened to Solomon? Now here we have Solomon. this guy; yeah. he's David's son from uh, Bathsheba, Bathsheba, and he reigns for forty years. He starts off really strong and good. He he has a dream, and and God says, "Is or long life or." Three more wishes. <laughs> I'd like three more wishes. He said, anything you want, I'll give it to you. And he says, I, I want wisdom so that I can reign correctly uh, over your people. Mm. Wow. What a, and God says, I'm impressed. That's good. You could have asked for anything. And he says, for that, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you riches and, and prosperity and success. And so, uh, he he starts off strong, Solomon does, uh, and then he hits his long. Um, he, he gets down in the gutter. I mean, he gets he he goes south. He uh, and he ends up later on in life. He writes like the Song of Solomon. Uh, he writes wisdom, and he, he encourages young people to seek after God while they're young, uh, and so on. But he comes back to God as an older man. But for many years during his reign, during that 40-year reign, uh, let's say maybe 20 to 25 years in, in in the middle of his reign, he he messes up and uh, and, and he's, his, his reign is blessed. He, he inherits a very successful nation. Uh, under King David, Israel reached its peak of influence and power and prosperity uh, and Solomon inherits it, and he launches this incredible building program, building the temple uh, there in Jerusalem and many other things. And, of course, some of those other things he shouldn't have been building. But can you tell us, folks, wh- what went wrong? What went wrong with Solomon? Why is it at the end of Solomon's reign the nation divides, it comes apart, civil war almost breaks out? And the nation divides and comes apart. What is it that that caused that? What was it about Solomon that uh, he starts out with such great promise and great potential, but he doesn't realize the potential that he that he had? Uh, so maybe someone can call and give us a call two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. How many sons and grandsons did Obed Adom have? First Chronicles twenty six eight. 
who was the commander of Israel's army under King David, his commanding general, who what was his name? First Chronicles twenty seven thirty four. Um, Solomon built his temple on a mountain that where Abraham had almost sacrificed his son Isaac many centuries before. What was the name of that mountain? And then what what, what was the property used for when David purchased that property uh, from Arauna the Jebusite? What was the property used before used for before the temple was built over it? That's Second Chronicles chapter three, verse one as well. So there you have it. If you'd like to give us a call, 210-340-9585. We'd love to hear from you. And what we're trying to emphasize here, just First and Second Chronicles, he wrote these books to remind the people of Israel, those returning from the 70 years of exile, he wrote it to them to remind them of who they were, what their heritage was, what their legacy of faith was, uh, and the covenant promises of God to them. We're trying to use the book of Chronicles as right now in the 21st century, uh, here in 2021, we're trying to use these books to point out how that God used the Chronicles and all these promises to David and Solomon and all these kings that came after them, this Davidic, Davidic lineage. Uh, we're trying to point out that 400 years later now, God kept that king, that promise, that covenant to King David by sending his son, Jesus of Nazareth, came to be the Messiah. And he came to fulfill all of those promises uh, that God had given uh, to, uh, to Adam and Eve, later on to Noah, later on to Abraham and later to Moses and then to uh, Samuel and all of these prophets and then to uh, Saul and David and Solomon. What it was all about is God is following that that narrative, that holy redemptive narrative to carry it through. And, and we finally see it uh, here in the Chronicles. We see David is promised this 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 everlasting uh, reign someone from his lineage would sit on the throne of God, would be the king of God's people forever. And that's what John the Baptist picks up now in the New Testament 400 years later and says, the king is coming. The king is coming. Make straight the way. Prepare the way for the king. And he's there to introduce the other side. He is a direct descendant of David. So this promise, this covenant that God gives to David uh, is kept perfectly through the Messiah, an eternal kingdom. Uh, he is indeed the king of Israel. Um, so we're trying to use these books to emphasize that and point forward to the time when we live now. We're living in the age of Messiah, the, the time uh, of the the establishment of God's kingdom here on earth through the Messiah who came. And uh, so all of this ties together. There is, it's a, uh, a redemptive narrative that God has brought to us. Uh, 
And I then, know this part. Go yeah. ahead. Honey. And we only have, I think we have about a minute before break, but maybe when we come back, you can talk a little bit more about that Matthew 22 uh, reference with Jesus and when Jesus references Psalm 110. And then those weren't a part of our readings this week, but it, I think, is so relevant. And I also think it sets such a tone of what the people must have been thinking at that time. They're so used to genealogies, son of, son of, uh-huh. son of. That's not necessarily a reference we're used to. We're not, we're, you know, I'm not son of Soapy Doll or uh-huh. daughter uh-huh. of we Dad. Don't do that we don't very necessarily much. do well, that. Well, you do have dollars. Yes, right. And last night, sure. But um, that was, I mean, well, I guess we do still do that today. So you just but, changed your last name. I, I just realized yeah, that. I don't know. She's no longer. Well, anyway. <laughs> but um, I that is such a, a neat thing. That would have been, I mean, that would have been like lightning striking when they when it hit home who Jesus was saying he was the son. How, it, how it, why did God it? remind us so often right. in the scriptures about these covenants and this promise and why did God have right. to continually remind us? Because we kept yeah. forgetting. Right. And it also wasn't a never ending thing. It never was going to be just this continual son of, son of, son of. At some point, it was going to be an eternal, an, an eternal son. Right. Yeah. An yeah. eternal. And, well, yeah, that's a good point. We'll come back to it dramatically. Jesus speaks to that very question in Matthew chapter 22. Right. He talks about and he quotes David in Psalm 110. And it's a very, very powerful moment. Right. In the last week of his life, he's talking to the Pharisees. And he tells them to establish the fact that the Messiah is not just the perfect man of faith. He's also God incarnate. We'll come back and talk about it. One more segment to go. This is The Bible Live. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Don't go away. Will I fall? Will I sing? Hallelujah. Will I be able to speak at all? I can Remember me, do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me, do Lord, oh do Lord, do remember me, way beyond the blue. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun way beyond. All right, we are back. Mr. Johnny Cash bringing us back into our final segment of the Bible Live for this Sunday evening. We have been reading this past week. Uh, if you listen to the Bible Live, and I do remind you and practically beg you, go to thebiblelive.com. Uh, I would like to read through the Bible with you every day, every weekday, Monday through Friday. I'll give you the weekend off. You can go to church and, uh, you know, listen to your Sunday school class, your pastor in your church. But uh, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go to thebiblelive.com on your computer, your smartphone, your, and go just click on the, the um, reading for that day. And you'll read through the entire Bible. We'll listen together through the entire Bible every year. It's a good, clear, modern version of the Scriptures, the New Living Translation. And um, we read 
alternating back and forth between the Old and New Testaments. It's a beautiful reading schedule that we have discovered, and that it just one leads to the other. Uh, like I said, we just finished up the the uh, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then we read the book of history in the New Testament, the book of Acts. And now we've come back to Chronicles, and we're kind of reviewing these two books of history and how one prepares for the others. I think that's what we were emphasizing, Stacy, when we broke away, was that mm -hmm. the book of Chronicles, and all of the Old Testament history, the times of the judges, the times of the kings, and, and later on here, the, the prophets and so on, those are all about God keeping his covenant promise, uh, not only to David and, and the, the little people group of the nation group of Israel, but to spiritual Israel, to, to God is mm -hmm. calling out of the entire world population a people for himself and giving people, a, a human beings, the opportunity to, to know him, to be reconciled to God. Right, which and, would have to be the case. Yeah. If he's God, he's God of every, he's, God of every, he's, all, yes. he's always all, of all. And I just love that moment when you talk, uh, the Matthew 22 moment, when Jesus must have dro you know, dropped that they were so used to thinking a certain way about genealogy, a certain way about, they were thinking about their lineage, their nation, their, and yes. Jesus just drops <laughs> What, what, yeah, and not not Remember. universally, but mm -hmm. it's so funny that we and we often mention it. Why did God have to remind them over and over again? And and uh, part of uh, if you go to seminary or Bible college or whatever, you'll learn about a thing called uh, covenants or dispensations. In other words, the idea that God has to continually step into time into history over these centuries. From time to time, he updates, he upgrades the revelation of, that mm -hmm. he's given. Mm -hmm. In other words, it, like I said, this is over a period of 1,500 years. And, and from time to time, he renews it. He renews the, he upgrades it. He, he brings it up today and, and they get a new, a newer, broader, clearer explanation of, of God's, of the, you know, redemptive plan. And it comes to, you know, you get, the worship, you get the temple, tabernacle, then you get the temple, then you get this. So their refinements, it doesn't change, but it just brings it up to date mm -hmm. because we tend to, over generations, uh, we tend to, it, it tends to corrupt. It mm -hmm. tends to be become ingrown. Right. And that's what happened in particular with Israel quite often. It would become very ethnocentric. Right. It was all about them, about mm -hmm. their country, their nation, their, about little Israel mm -hmm. and it stopped being about them being a witness to all the nations. Right. Remember the covenant right. was, I will make you a blessing to all the nations of the world. Mm -hmm. Not just you. I'm just yeah. going to take you apart and let you be real rich you know, and all. May, may, I don't know why this, I'm going to go ahead and say it just because, mm -hmm. but it reminded me of, uh, I had a professor in college, Dr. Peter Kreeft, uh -huh. wonderful, mm -hmm. I was well known. Um, just, Love him, and we would. He was my philosophy professor, and we would talk about the mind and human. And uh, it came to a point when he was um, talking about insanity. And a lot of times, you think of insanity as something that is kind of crazy and very outward, and all sorts of no boundaries and all sorts of. And he said, "No, actually, insanity 
uh, is study what insanity is actually a person that is incredibly inward. Their mind is cannot break out and think beyond a certain idea or a certain something kind of like an addiction almost. You are so, and he said, an insane mind is very, very, very small um, to the point that they will kind of just on, on one, on one thing and they can't break out of that. And it drives them kind of crazy mm-hmm. because there's scope, there's no context. Everything becomes about this tiny thing. Um, is that the definition of insanity? Is you, uh, well, you, what is that definition uh, right, of insanity? That, uh, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah, <laughs> right, because you're trapped into that one little in that, right. line of thinking. And, and one it just, uh, um, when you said the nation, they constantly t- kind of turn. And we are bent as a people and is as, because, you know, when you think about insane or doing things that are uh that hurt yourself. And I mean, why would you do something that mm-hmm. you know is not going to benefit you? That's going to hurt you. He says, uh, a lot of people say it's because we're insane. And he says, and I agree with him <laughs> we have, that our bent is towards an, an, an insanity. And I, hmm. I thought, and your mind becomes a prison anyway, as a nation, I thought that was kind of an interesting when a nation turns, you know, they, mm-hmm. they turn inward. Now, remember a, Israel after the, after Malachi and in, in, in the final prophets. There, they go through the time of the Greek. Uh, the Greek uh, Empire rises yes, up. The philosophers, uh, the mm-hmm. philosophers, and so on. And then, and uh, Alexander the Great. There's some stories about Alexander Great approaching Jerusalem and not attacking, mm-hmm. uh, and not interestingly before respect. For the God of Israel, of Jerusalem. That is interesting. But yeah, and then, uh, of course, the Greek Empire crumbles. Uh, Alexander dies at age 33. And then the Roman Empire begins to rise. Uh, uh, and and also, this is all pro- predicted by Daniel. Remember the, the, mm-hmm. the goats and the, the with the horn and the big horn and this... Mm-hmm. Um, so so Rome rises then to greatness, and, and then they, of course, come to control the entire civilized world of that time, including Israel. And by this time now, Israel is uh, under the uh, thumb of Rome. They're being oppressed. They're, there's all kinds of um, persecution against them. The worship is uh, discouraged and interrupted and corrupted. Uh, when Rome takes over, they begin to buy the priesthood. Uh, they begin to uh, put their own people in power. For example, Annas was the high priest of, of Israel. But his son-in-law, um, Caiaphas, Rome takes him, makes him the high priest. And so for the first time, you have two high priests. And so Caiaphas has to go to Herod's uh, house every morning to get the the temple vestments, uh, the the priestly vestments, and return them in the evening, and so the so Rome is just kind of got their thumb and and, and Israel, uh, they've kind of lost the vision of, uh, not uh, not I'm I'm saying Israel, particularly the leadership, the political uh, leadership, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and so on, they're they're very in ingrown they're thinking of their own survival and their own uh their own power and their own control uh and that's something that John the Baptist and then later of course Jesus they bump into that that's something that they have to yeah. 
confront is uh, this the the corruption the corruption within political, uh, economic, and religious corruption mm-hmm. throughout the the uh, the first century there throughout Jerusalem and Israel. Mm-hmm. They had become very ingrown, and uh, and the Messiah has to correct mm-hmm. that. And and uh, and he does it kind. He does it nicely yeah. for the most because it is a. You know, it's it's understandable. Relatively gently, <laughs> but very firmly. Yes. Uh-huh. Without a doubt. Then look at Nicodemus, uh, yeah. what member of the Sanhedrin uh-huh. and, as well. And so. And uh, even the zealots. Uh, I mean, you know, he, the yeah. ex-say. So it's not just necessarily the leadership. It's also those that were looking for a commander, looking for oh, yeah. yes, an army. So many. Looking, that the popular, perhaps the more popular idea when Jesus appears is that the Messiah is going to come and kill all the Romans right. and, and save get, them just save from it, that, just from that, you know, <laughs> restore us. Bigger plans. And, and it's far, far, of course, Jesus had to remind them and tell them it's far, far bigger and greater than yeah. that. Yeah. It, it's, uh, this is going to shake the world. Yeah. And, um, interestingly, of course, in AD 70 and in, in all the re- redemptive plan of God, uh, after the Messiah, uh, is, is killed and pays the penalty of our sins on the cross and the risen from the dead, from the grave, and the gospel begins to be proclaimed all over uh, the world from from about you know thirty to seventy A.D. Then Jerusalem itself is destroyed and there's no more temple, and and now there's no more locking up the message of the gospel in Jerusalem or in Israel. It it spreads like wildfire across the empire, the Roman Empire, and now and now today, of course, two thousand years later, around we see David's mm-hmm. prayer has been answered. Let all the nations praise mm-hmm. the Lord. Let every people, every language, every tongue, because all around planet Earth in every place, the message has gone out, and people are following Jesus and, and coming into that confident, secure relationship with God. So uh, let, let's do pick up what you said, like we said we were going to do, um, Stacy. Uh, in Matthew chapter 22, mm-hmm. yeah. Jesus is during the last week of his life, and he confronts the, the uh, uh, Pharisees, and he mentions to them, uh, they, they talk, uh, he asks them a question. And it's a question that basically shuts them up. You know, they he asked them such a tough question that they can't answer it. And he said they don't ask any more questions after that. <laughs> Do you want me uh, to read Psalm 110 real quick? Yes, please. So we well, have... let's go. Let me read Psalm 22. Okay. And then you read Ma- Psalm 110. Matthew 22. Um, oh, yeah. You, you're going to use, go ahead and read the Psalm first. That's good. Okay. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies making them a footstool under your feet. The Lord said to my Lord, The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments, and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. He will strike down many kings when his anger erupts. He will punish the nations. And fill their lands with corpses. He will shatter heads over the whole earth, but he himself will be refreshed from brooks along the way. He will be victorious. So read that first verse again. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. Now, Jesus, speaking to the Pharisees, 
uh, he, he is confronting them. Uh, one of the Pharisees says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Love the Lord your God with all your uh, heart, all your soul, all your mind, and so on. And then Jesus turns and asks them a question. He says to the Pharisees, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is the Messiah? Now you have to you have to realize here that this is a Jesus was crucified, his, the acquisition, because you being a man make yourself out to be God. Mm-hmm. Jesus claimed to be God. Mm-hmm. Direct claims, saying, I am he, I am the Messiah, I am God. Uh, accepting worship, uh, indirect claims, accepting worship, telling people that your sins are forgiven and so mm-hmm. on. And uh, and dramatized claims, calming the sea, and mm-hmm. and so on, presenting himself as Lord of the, of the Sabbath. So he says, "Who, uh, who do you think the Messiah? Whose son is the Messiah?" And the and the Pharisees replied, "He is the son of David." Then Jesus said, "Then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, mm-hmm. addressing the Messiah?" Call the Messiah my Lord. For David said, the Lord said to my Lord, Mm -hmm. sit in the place of honor. So he's saying, because normally the the former is is superior to the latter. But now the Messiah is his Lord. Yes. And they understood what he meant. No one could answer him. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. (laughs) I mean, it is so beautiful. It's really yeah, a, it's, it's just a, a reminder. It's a reminder of we're not talking about we're we're talking about so much more. Yes, not only the Davidic covenant, the lineage that's important. Yes, that's God's promise, but it was never ending just at that. The whole point of all of it was much larger and bigger. And, uh, and it, 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 it a, is tricky. It's mm-hmm. tricky because the Messiah came. And I've said this many times. Jesus did not come to planet Earth to prove he was God. Right. Now, think about it. Let's let's say for the moment, let's assume for the moment that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed God incarnate. All right, John? Jesus is God. If his purpose in coming to Earth was to prove to people that he was God, you don't think he could have done it? If Jesus came here to to prove and to demonstrate, I am God, I mean, he could have done it. I mean, remember one time he even said to his followers, don't you know that I could call 10,000 angels and they would deliver me? I mean, Jesus could have done it. And the fact is, as part of the temptations that Satan did, tell him to do the miraculous, do this incredible miraculous walk on. Yeah. Well, he told him to jump off the temple in front of all the people. Uh, in the public, off the forty-foot uh, corner of the temple, jump down and and people would see that you're not uh, killed. So, if Jesus, but he didn't come. Jesus came to the Messiah. Came he was God, but he didn't come here to prove he was God. He came to carry out a specific work of atonement, of redemption, to live out a perfect life of faith and trust and obedience and submission to the Father as a man, mm-hmm. not. He didn't do anything of his own initiative and prerogative as God. 
He even says that in John chapter 5, but verse 19, verse 31. I don't do anything of my own prerogative, my own initiative, my own power, my own authority. I only do what the Father guides me, tells me, shows me to do. So that's what he came to do, was to walk out the life of a perfect man, following the laws of God perfectly, and then he who knew no, man, who knew no sin became sin for us. And, and so here, here that we have in this one instance here, Jesus does clearly demonstrate to the, to the Pharisees that, no, I am God. The, the Messiah is, and yes, the son of David, yeah. but he is also David's Lord. Right. And I love that. But it's a sweet way of reminding them, not only am I God, but you've been waiting for me. <laughs> that's yeah. all along. That's what. So I love that he puts it back on them. David, all all along, that's what you've been. Yeah, he, this, he is, nothing this, this is, is nothing new. This is nothing new. You just it's haven't understood it. You've forgotten yeah. it, I guess. We've got Franklin on the line. Franklin, Franklin, we've got just a few minutes before the evening is over, but I'm so glad to get your call. Uh-oh, what have I done wrong? There you are. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, that's me. There you Run are, for your life. Glad, glad to hear from you. Uh, God bless you. I hope you and Stephanie are having a blessed day. Stacy, may the Lord shower His blessings upon you in every way. Stacy, thank uh, you, Franklin. Stacy, yes, we're getting it right. Uh, we're sorry, getting Stacey. it, Franklin. Your heart <laughs> is in the right. right. Well, thank you, so you know, much. Swiss cheese for brains, but it, it <laughs> uh, uh, apparently every now and again it works. You bet. Okay, I want to ask answer a cu- couple of your questions. Good. The first thing. The temple was built upon a threshing floor. Uh, tell us what a thresh. Some of our listeners may not know what a threshing floor uh, was. I was hoping you would ask me that. A threshing floor is where they took the sheaves of grain, wheat or rye or whatever they were growing, barley at the time, uh, not all together but separately, uh-huh. and they would take the sheaves and they would beat them against the ground. And uh, they would have fans, uh, people uh, waving fans. Uh, The the advantage of having it up on on the mount was that there was always a wind up there. Right. And the shaft would be blown away and the seed would remain. And they would gather the sheaf, the seeds, and then take it down to be ground and made into flour. Uh, It's a very interesting thing uh, if you consider that. Because what does God do? He takes us and he beats us against all the problems of the earth and everything and separates all the bad things out from us and leaves the good. So the temple was actually built on a threshing floor. A beautiful picture, isn't it? Really? It is very interesting. And the other question I wanted to answer of you is Solomon. Yes. Poor Solomon. What happened? He had happened? so many wives. And the problem is, is many of his wives were pagans. And so wanting to please his wives, he would build them temples. And it led to him actually uh, erecting Asherah poles and, and rebuilding the high places and putting up these idols uh, which was a horrible sin against God. Yes. And uh, that is how he came to his demise. Uh, just like even the garden, 
his women led him astray. Right. Yeah, it, it's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. And it seems like he should have seen sorry, it. Seth. He should have seen it coming. But but what was it? Oh, Seven hundred no. wives and three hundred concubines, or something like that. Oh yeah. Well, and from all different kinds of tribes, which they weren't supposed to marry anybody except from the people of Israel. And God was very smart because He knew if they did. The women would lead them astray exactly. and lead them to their uh, the, the gods, the worship of the gods that the women were more comfortable with. And well, that's exactly marry, what happened. They were not to marry anyone that didn't worship Jehovah. Now, for example, Boaz married Ruth, and Ruth was a... a, a, a yeah, she had converted. But she had converted. She had converted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Solomon's People, wives had not converted. It, it was a little dodgy with Ruth, I think. I think they converted uh, but, him. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. But, you bit. know, it, fortunately, Ruth was a really good woman and and faithful. Yeah. And uh, so she didn't lead Boaz astray. But now, now later Solomon, on, later on in his life. stand against all those women? Yeah. Later on in his I mean, life, Solomon seems to have come back to God. I mean, if you read the Song of Solomon and, uh, yeah, you know, but remember now that creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the days draw nigh when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. That yes. He, he tries to call in young people to remember God, you know, and to worship God. And, uh, but, but, well, and Ecclesiastes, too. Yeah, you, you exactly. see, that was yeah. it, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Yeah, thank yes. you so much, brother. Good oh, to God hear from bless you. You too, my oh. friend. Thanks, Franklin. Good to hear from Franklin. Folks, you are welcome to join us each and every Sunday night here on the Bible Live. And also, don't forget now, go to thebiblelive.com and join us for the scripture reading this coming week. We're going to finish the book of Second Chronicles. And we'll be back to talk about it next Sunday night. God bless. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.